I'm Critter. I'm Jace. And we should be working. working. God damn it. It's one, two, (laughs) say it. (laughs) All right. I'm Critter. I'm Jace. And And we we should should be be working. working. I fucking hate you so much. (laughs) (laughs) So this is episode 19. That means we have 18 episodes. And if our average episode length is what, like 50 minutes? That's 900 minutes, which is 15 hours. We have 15 hours of podcast content out in the world now. Oh, God. Poor, poor listeners that have lost almost a full day. I wonder if we have anybody that's actually listened to every minute of every show. How would we ever find out? We don't get any feedback. Yeah, no, (laughs) we wouldn't. For all we know, we have a super fan out there besides Richard, and we just have no way of knowing. No, they're all just crazy stalkers i think even richard gave up on us waiting for the moment yeah i think so too so 15 hours of so that's like i could drive from south carolina to chicago maybe something like that and only listen to our sweet honey voices i kind of want to do that that. seems about right well no don't do that what else would i want to listen to you should do that on like a family road trip and just torture your entire family with it all right, if I drive to Chicago, I could, oh, it's, uh, from here to Chicago is only 11 hours. Whew, you got four hours to spare. Yeah, I could get there and like almost halfway back. After this episode, I could get even farther. This is weird. You're an idiot. We have so much, so much content. So if we keep doing this for uh, every week, then what do we start, like December? Like by the end of the year, we'll have 50 episodes. 52 weeks in a year. I think I read, <laughs> good job, Jace. <laughs> But we missed a couple weeks, you know. That's your fault. That's not true. I've never done All your anything fault. wrong. We can only record these during work hours. I think that's that's a limiting factor. Well, otherwise the name wouldn't be true. I mean, I should be working all the time, I feel. You, sh- you absolutely should not be working. And I think that's a, that's a <laughs> sign of a horribly toxic company culture if, if you do feel like that. <laughs> no, it's not the company that makes me feel that way. It's just the personal thing. Is your Hawaiian nature? Shut up, honky. <laughs> I had a thing to talk about, and now it's just it's gone. Of course it is. Oh, oh, I remember now. I I read somewhere that the average podcast doesn't make it to ten episodes, so we're already doing better than the average. Yeah, I mean that's pretty easy, isn't it? Let's just there's... try. <laughs> Well, consistency is tough for people, man. Right. That's why not a lot of people are consistent at anything. Yeah. But we got to figure it out. Do you think there's any chance that we'll make it I don't it think to... we have it figured out. Shut up. We have, we have it so <laughs> Fucking figured botchy out. Fucking us. Bocce? Like a bocce balls? Like curse us. It's a superstition thing. Is that a Hawaiian thing? I believe it's Japanese. But like, it's like a verb? You're going to bocce us? Uh, it's like put a hex on it or like jinx us. Wow. You're so it, cool. It's like a loose translation. Oh I'm my God. Awe. I hate you so much. <laughs> uh, but my point was, um, oh yeah, here's what, it, the question is, do you think there's any chance we'll make it to a hundred episodes and still have almost no listeners? I think if we make it to a hundred episodes, we will still have no listeners. Yes. Do you think there's a chance we won't make it to a hundred episodes? I mean, if we just decide not to continue doing this yeah do you think there's a chance that'll happen no we're pretty boring and this is pretty easy this is like one of the more fun things that we do yeah together i think so like yeah i mean this is one of the things i still look forward to week to week okay good even though even though it's me complaining mostly i feel like i've done a pretty good bit of complaining too but yeah i was on a work call the other so uh i feel like on every you know every like book club and whatever just fun conversation i'm on the topic always comes up of like let's release this as a podcast and somebody on the call said well podcasts take a lot of work like it's not just talking and i was like um i don't know about that (laughs) i have a podcast have you heard this podcast (laughs) we we talk for an hour and total it takes about an hour and five minutes every week of my time (laughs) yeah 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 we we really don't put much time into editing this but we also don't have like help or the like knowledge to do it so we don't really like use our free time to learn how to edit audio or like all of that 
I don't know what else we would like. All I can think. So I what I do is I remove silence. I have like a truncate silence thing for times when we sit there for like five seconds and don't say anything. It's super awkward. And then I remove white noise. And then like what else would you even do? Like actually go through and remove comments that weren't funny or something like change the content. I don't even know. Maybe. Yeah. Or maybe yeah, fix the be... sound quality or something. Who knows? Who knows, man? Those audio engineers. They they work their magic. They do. They have the magic, and I don't have that. I um I listen to a podcast. Called, have you ever heard of uh men, mental illness happy hour? No. I think mental illness happy hour. Pretty sure that's right. But they talk about all different kinds of anxiety and stuff. Um, but that pod that podcast is interesting because they obviously don't edit it at all intentionally. Um, because that way you can see like, you know, they'll have people on there who are like going through anxiety or like they had, they had a woman on there who was talking about social anxiety, which is why I was thinking about, or why I listened to it. And there were times when she would like panic for a second and think she wasn't saying the right thing. And they just included all of it. And it was mad awkward. Like it was so cringy, but like even the silences and stuff. Yeah. There were like pretty long silences and like parts where she was trying to think of what to say next. And then like one time she said something and she was like, actually, I don't, I don't think we should talk about that because I don't really know what I'm talking about. And I'm afraid it won't, it'll, you know, it'll sound like I'm trying to make stuff up. And then they just included that, you know, they included everything. And I think that's kind of the point of the podcast is like, let's, you know, embrace being uncomfortable and awkward. But, uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. I wish everyone would just automatically assume I'm making whatever I'm saying up. Just a hundred percent of the time, and then I just had to be like, no, 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 this is real, because it takes the pressure off. It would be, I, I think, I would offend a lot less people that way. <laughs> just the way I talk and stuff. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> you mean like your your jokes? <laughs> Anything, like even. I mean, even when I'm like talking to someone, quote unquote, passionately at work. <laughs> Uh, and and you know what I'm saying like they're they're taking it like I'm berating them when really I'm just like no these these are the series of facts that happened in our shared history uh-huh. that led us to this point where you are extremely wrong in your decision <laughs> in what you're doing and you need to fucking turn it around now. So you you want them to not take you seriously when you say that is what you're saying? I want them to know in moments like that where I'm taking time <laughs> to prove that that. I am not joking in that scenario and very serious that I'm just being serious and clarifying without a doubt that I am correct in this one instance, but everything else I could be wrong in. That's fine. Okay. All right. So like you, you wish you could have like a kind of like a push to talk button, but it's like a push to take me seriously button. Like if I'm holding yeah, this basically. button, then I actually know what I'm talking about. And otherwise I'm just screwing around. Yeah, I mean, I think life would be much better for everyone involved. <laughs> I don't I don't think I would ever press the button, because I don't think I ever really know what I'm talking about. I know, you're just weak. No one will remember your name. What? <laughs> I, I dispute that, because I think probably, <laughs> probably most of the world's renowned leaders also didn't think they knew what they were talking about, and the world remembers their name. I'm in, I'm in, a, I'm in a crowd of... I'm on the shoulders of giants here. But they they clearly pushed that that button several, several times of like, hey, fucking take me serious. No, I I'm think, a ruler, damn it. I think it's the opposite. I think that people that are really successful think it's like uh Dunning Kruger. Like the more you know, the less you think you know. I think the the people the really successful people don't really think they're that great. And so they probably would never really feel comfortable pressing the button. Pressing the I know what I'm talking about button. But if they became conquerors or rulers or whatever you're calling them, they absolutely push that button at some point. You have to. Well, because there's no button, though. That's that's why they're able to get by. Like if, <laughs> if I'm in calls, you know, and I say something, people assume that I think I know what I'm talking about. But if there was a button to press, I know that's rough. It. That's rough when I do it. Well, when I mean, like when you're just in a work setting and everyone thinks you know what you're talking about and you're just like talking through it out loud instead of in your head you're like oh don't no don't listen to this part <laughs> this isn't oh, this isn't yeah. the answer i actually got some feedback about that specifically i opened up a anonymous feedback form and um and somebody gave me feedback that was like did you send it to me <laughs> i will i will never send you <laughs> because what would happen is you would craft something that could come from one of my direct reports but would also like break my heart if it did and then yep. i would i would obsess about it for months just constantly, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> like every night another piece of horrible feedback um uh but but the feedback was uh that i i basically do that like i i kind of talk back and forth and like you know work through a problem on a call and it makes me come across as wishy-washy as opposed to just going off and pondering on it and then coming back with you know like here's what i think about it yeah but i also think feedback like that is is a double standard because if you just come back with only the answers, people are like, well, how, how'd you come up with that answer? It's like, well, yeah. you could you could hear the process and get the answer or you could just get the answer and then don't worry about the process. Like, mm-hmm. like yeah, decide as a whole. Yeah, that's one of my big lessons learned from this job is like everybody has very, very surprisingly different preferences about what they want from other people, especially from managers. From this job? <laughs> Yeah, I, mean, I don't. I don't think You've I've known ever... me like all these years, and we want like nothing of the same things. Yeah, in I, our just, jobs. I assume that you're you're not a normal human. I assume that I'm normal. Oh, that, that I'm not... the anomaly. <laughs> yeah, you, you think that I'm the anomaly in this? Okay, gotcha. <laughs> what else would I would I possibly? Who else could be the anomaly? Uh-huh. Okay, <laughs> but like you know, some people some people really want to want you to to go back and forth with them and like work through a problem together and kind of get messy with it. And some people just want to know what the answer is. And, you know, some people want a friend and some people want a coach and some people want to be told what to do. And some people never want to be told what to do. And like figuring out what everybody wants is takes a lot of time. Yeah. That's why a manager wears all the hats. I don't like that expression. I have a new beef with that expression because Shut up. do you want to hear my beef or not? I do, but I I'm want you to shut up because you have beef. a beef with an expression. My my beef is I'm grounding it up. It's ground beef now, and you can't have it. I'm gonna make a hamburger with it later. Add some cheese and some Chianti. <laughs> I don't. know. You can stop me anytime. I'm not going to fucking explain it. I'm waiting for you to explain your beef, your ground oh, my beef. beef. My ground beef. Uh, so my beef is yeah. Like managers always like to talk about, you know how. Sometimes I have my manager hat and sometimes I have my servant leader hat and sometimes I have my team player hat and sometimes I have my, you know, I don't know, like inspire or whatever, like whatever all the hats are. Um, And I think that's, you know, that sounds nice, whatever. But I think that it's dangerous to assume that you ever don't have your manager hat on because when a manager thinks they're being a team player, then and they make a suggestion, then everybody else is going to hear that as like my manager is telling me what to do, you know? Or, or if they're being a servant leader and they're like asking a question, then everybody's going to think of like, oh, my manager thinks I should do that. And that's why they asked about it. So, it's- so yeah, I yes, when you're when you're projecting your agenda onto your team, it's coming from a manager no matter what. But when you're coming up with those ideas or like listening to feedback, you don't necessarily have to hear it as a manager. I don't like know what to, that means. Well, to receive feedback of somebody struggling about something specifically, you don't have to be a manager. You just have to understand that somebody's struggling with something and then just go from there. You don't have to like have the manager hat too. You can just have the empathy hat and maybe they're just going through something and want oh. to get through that sort of thing. That I mean, yeah. that's the way that I took it when, you know, a manager wears multiple hats. Like you don't always have to be managing someone specifically. You could just be like like you were saying, you could just be the friend or you could just be you know, the cheerful teammate or optimistic teammate or whatever the fuck it is, cheerleader. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree, though. Like once you want to project whatever you are thinking to your team, you're always going to be seen as, as a manager. But but no, I don't. You're missing my point. My point is that even when you don't think you have your manager hat on, everybody else sees you as if you do. Like if you think that's what being... I'm saying is every time you speak or do something is in the context of being a manager yeah right because you are a manager at work and everybody you're talking to is somebody that reports to you Uh for the most part so if you think you're you're being empathetic and you ask you know a a empathetic question then they're going to hear that as like my manager thinks this is the thing that i should do and it's dangerous man it can be for sure it's gotten me into trouble oh absolutely especially if you give terrible advice like you do and I, I, I do think that I know you're you're screwing with me, but I do think that giving bad advice is part of it because like I I uh I don't I never screw about you giving bad advice. <laughs> no, that's why I just stopped. I warned everyone and started asking questions instead. So that way you can never give exactly. bad advice. Um so way you get real. But but yeah, I mean I world. have I have a like this habit of, you know, 
throwing out suggestions and brainstorming and you know i think that's kind of what that guy but whoever it was that gave me that feedback was getting at of like you uh, you come across as wishy-washy because you're just throwing out ideas and some of them contradict each other and you're trying to get to the solution so um point is throwing out a random possibility like brainstorming advice but it's coming from your manager is actually pretty dangerous because people take that crap seriously of course i mean i've definitely been in situations where like um not not the current company, but in previous companies where like the manager was trying to be like one of the team and we were all like trying to celebrate the employees and all of that. And then they were like celebrating with us. And it even that made it weird, right? That they showed up to the party that was just for the employees. And all of a sudden the manager's there. You're just like, the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> like this, this is for us. We want to like enjoy this oh, yeah. away from you. Oh man. Have I told you about the circling the team thing? Have we talked about this? Uh, go for it and then i'll tell you so it's uh it was in manager tools no no the effective manager by mark horstman is an awesome book um but one of the things that was really interesting is like if you ask a manager to you know if you show a manager like a chart with all the names of people and you say circle your team then they'll include themselves in the team but if you ask the people on the team to circle their team they won't include the manager so the manager thinks they're part of the team and nobody else does yeah but, but I mean that's, I mean that I feel like that that's correct. But I'm all I've also never been a manager or in a managerial position. I think it I think it depends. I think some some managers like especially manager doers that are in there doing the stuff that everybody else is doing. Like it's I think it's pretty hard to say they're not a member of the team. But that's not me. You know I haven't written a line of code since I joined Wayfair. Um, so I don't know. I've actually I feel recently like... you go ahead. I was just going to say, I feel like it's a power structure thing, though, more than anything, like regardless of how like useful your manager is and stuff like that, there there comes a point where there's a, a separation because at, at some point that person can fire you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you ha- you can never like not think about that. Or if you do, like if you do get to that point, then like even the manager is in danger at that point, right? Because then you're too like close to your employees and then you're you can like i mean it, it just creates opportunity for worse things to happen at that point of like people being too comfortable and saying the wrong things in the workplace and mm-hmm. so on and so forth yeah that was actually another part of that book was like don't be close friends with anyone that you manage or with your manager because like the, right the example it gave is if you're if you're um somebody that reports to you asked you to be the godfather of their child or something you know, that's a pretty extreme example, but something like that, like, how are you ever going to fire that person if you need to, if you're the godfather of their child? Isn't, isn't that from The Office, where he, he was the godfather of that guy's child, and then he had to fire him? Oh. Steve Carell the- did, like, early on, in, it was like season one or season two, he was talking about yeah how, how his employees loved him so much, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, yeah, and he's like, he was terrible, we had to fire him, <laughs> but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. That was pretty good. I remember that. Is that the one where he had the voice? He's like, "Mr. Scott, Mr. Scott." I think that was the thing. I don't know. Maybe. Oh man, now I have to watch that whole stupid. I just finished up a run through of New Girl, so I'm I'm ready for the office. But uh, you derailed me. I was also gonna say, of course, we've been one of my teams has been trying Gather dot town. You you know about Gather. So for anybody listening, yeah. Gather, go to Gather dot town. That's the URL. It's like a virtual. I don't even know what, how it's like. You can make it a virtual office, but it can also be a virtual like game room or a virtual. You can make a beach or a restaurant. It's just like you have these little characters that walk around, and you walk up to somebody else's character, and then suddenly you can see and hear them. It's like video and audio, and it's it's like real life. You know, you walk up to somebody, you start talking to them. You can walk away. You go into a conference room to have a meeting, whatever. So um, anyway, uh, we're doing a experiment exactly like real life. It's totally like real life, and we're doing an experiment with Gather right now, and. Um, in one of my teams and i see people like right now there's three people on the couch just hanging out i can see them as i'm speaking to you and i have to like every now and then i'll kind of wander over there and say hey or whatever but i actively resist going over there a lot because of exactly that because like i don't want it to be the vibe of you know us three talking and then suddenly the manager is here ruining the uh the feel of the just like chill conversation but that's exactly the feel no matter what so just Fucking keep doing it. 
Like, you just do it, but make sure you're aware that the boundaries are present when you're talking. But I don't, I don't want, I want to let them, uh, let them bond. I don't want, I want to get in the way of them okay. bonding. Then don't squeeze in on the couch. That's what I'm saying. That's why I don't. So what are you resisting there? That that just seems like you you've made a decision. What what's to resist? Well, it's the FOMO. They're like having fun over there on the couch, and I'm not doing anything. Maybe I should get yeah, hang out. Yeah, you're not a part of the team, manager. I know, and that's that. I'm I'm trying to lean into that and accept it instead of just being sad about it and trying to force my way. Go to back to your cubicle. <laughs> Go look at hey, some spreadsheets. I designed a cool surveys. desk. Okay, it's not a cubicle, and it has two big red trees behind it, even though it's inside. And I don't care what you think about that. Do you want a picture? <laughs> you don't want a picture? <laughs> All right, fine. I'll send you a picture. Quit asking. <laughs> You're the worst. Um, Here it comes. No, where were up. we Here going? With, what, what, what was the whole point of this therapy session for yourself that you just did? I don't know. I just, I'm trying to send you a picture of my desk. Go look at it and tell me how beautiful it is right now. Pass. I'm going to post it in the show notes. Are you looking? Let's see what this is. Oh, that looks terrible. <laughs> Why? Uh, you're the worst. It even has a quill and like an ink, you know, the feather. Anyway, I can see why they're on the couch ignoring you. <laughs> Whatever, man. You can't, you has, can't. Has anyone come visited you at your desk? Um, only when I've asked them to. But I feel like that's kind of rude. What were their reactions? I think the I think the vibe is like you don't just walk up and start talking to somebody when they're working at their desk, you know. I don't think you would I really do all do the that. time when I was in the office. Well, that's that's why people like to work from home because people pull that crap in the office and they're trying to focus. Well, and then I just ping people with no hellos or highs. Just hey, do this. Hey, I think that's fine because they can turn off Slack, but you can't turn off somebody coming and poking you on your shoulder. You know. True. Very I don't true. want to get in the way of people's deep work. And I don't want people getting in the way of my deep work, even though I don't have any. How are you going to manage people if you just don't want to get in the way of anybody? I was in a I training. would love it so much if you guys would manage yourself. Thank you so much. <laughs> I was in a training yesterday, and uh, they said that the number one... Was it how to be a manager? It was... 101? Basically, yeah. It was four hours long, but it was amazing. Um, Rough. Shout out to the people that ran that training yesterday. You, you'll never listen to this. I don't know why I said that. So there was <laughs> one. <laughs> Dang it! What was I even gonna say? Oh, I remember now. Choo choo. The <laughs> what is that? Oh, train of thought. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's what I was going for. That's tricky. I like it. Um, the in in the most recent company survey, the thing that was correlated most highly with would you recommend Wayfair as a place to work is do you feel like your manager doesn't micromanage you or, you know, they, they worded it better than that. But like not being micromanaged is the number one correlated thing with recommending it as a place to work. That's interesting. I mean, yeah, I, I definitely don't like being micromanaged. Yeah. And that actually is dangerous, I think, for me. That's like... Because you like to be involved and aware of everything that's going no, on? No, it's because the opposite. It's like that gives me permission to not pay attention you know, so that gives you permission to let you be a good manager, and that scares you. It gives me permission to go too far in the other direction. Like, where's the line between not micromanaging versus just not keeping up with the work at all? You know, and being able to recognize problems and rabbit holes and things that aren't going as smoothly as they should. That's where I get stuck. I see. So that's my conundrum right now. But I'm down with not micromanaging. I don't know anybody. Well, I know one person. I know one person who likes to be micromanaged. And his name is Jace. Who's that? Oh, yeah. I definitely do. You just want to be a code monkey. You want your manager to tell you, here are your tickets. Do them in this order. What? That's not micromanaging. That's giving me a stack of work and letting me do work. What's micromanaging? If they asked me how I did every single thing, like to show my work on every little bit, like if they pinged me every single day that wasn't part of stand up, like every hour, just like, hey, how's it going? When, when, when's this going to be done? Do you know when uh, do you know when other people are going to approve your PRs? Could, could you could you give me exact time when that's going to happen? Like, so it's no, the status of fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. I fucking so hate that shit so much. It was just like, 
Oh, so could you tell me exactly when this is going to be done? Oh, does it rely on a bunch of people that I don't control? Yeah, that no, it's going to be loosely a day. So I have I have two responses. Uh, one is one really quick one is another shape up thing that I really like is hill charts. Have you ever seen a hill chart? Does that ring any bells? That does not. All right, so it's like to remove the need for status updates and for people asking you like where you're at on things. You got this hill chart. So like there's it's just in the shape of a hill. You know, and there's a dot which re- which uh, represents a feature. And as you're learning more about what to do, you move the dot up the hill manually. And then when you get to the top of the hill, what that means is you know exactly what to do, and it's just a matter of doing it. Meaning, like you can see all the way down. And so then you start moving it down the hill as you implement. And the point is, like, if people want to know how things are going, they can just look at the hill chart and see see where you're at. Um, That's interesting. But my other thing that I want to ask is what if the tickets you picked up had specific like implementation instructions meaning they told you exactly what to do would that be micromanaging uh no not really I mean it, it, if it was like step by step almost like line for line what to do basically writing pseudocode then I would be like well, what the hell's the point of my job why didn't whoever wrote this ticket do the work at that point um so, but if they said, but like, I mean, like, yeah, go ahead. if, if you had like a line by line criteria, like acceptance criteria is something of like, when this button does this, we want to see this, uh, this, um, this happen type of thing. And that was just kind of like for a full screen. I mean, like I've, I've definitely seen acceptance criteria like that just normally on all the projects. But that's okay. So that's, that's saying what, that's not saying how, right? Right, yeah, it's just more gen- it's more like business logic of like, hey, when this happens, this also has to happen. Okay, all right. So, so as long as they don't get into the how, then you feel good. What if it was a really high level how of like create a new class that does this? No, I mean, I, I view all that kind of stuff, especially on a ticket, more as a suggestion. Like, mm. it, it's like if possible, or if this makes sense, this is how whoever's writing this ticket would do this. So then, when I read it, then I have to interpret it and then look at where i'm putting this code and you know where it lives or like how we're what standards we're using in the in the project itself and stuff like that would you enjoy being involved in the what meaning like if the product manager if if all a ticket said was like a why or, or basically like a user story um and it was your job to work alongside a designer to figure out exactly what that means would that be fun for you or would that be not cool uh, it would depend on the designer. There are some designers I would love to do that with, and there are the rest of the designers that I would rather gouge out my eyes. Can you design it all, by the way? I don't know if we ever talked about this. Have you done any design I can. Work? I even have a design degree. Okay. I thought I thought that rang some bells, but you don't like doing that stuff anymore, or you just don't? Um. So when I was doing design, the thing I hated the most was everybody would just fucking pick it apart. I'm like, oh no, we love it, but it's a piece of shit. This sucks, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. You know, and it, it like, it, I mean, just that type of communication just fucking irks me anyway. But like, for everything I did, that was just like, oh yeah, this is just part of the process. Yeah. And I just, I was like, nah, fuck that. I'll do, I'll do code stuff. Right. Yeah. At least code, you can either prove it right or wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's logical. And I mean, there's tests that could run for it and stuff. I remember uh, I read an article like forever ago by a guy who quit Google to go work at Twitter. It was this, it was like one of the really senior designers at Google. And he said the reason he quit was that there was no creativity. And one one example he had was um, that there was a time when he was he made a design for some page and he had some certain shade of blue. And somebody asked him why he went with that shade and basically told him like to prove his case, like to prove that that's the right shade of blue to use there. Meaning like, you know, show me A-B tests or like give me data that shows that that's going to increase conversion rate. It's just sort of like, what's the what's my job anymore? If, you know, if all decisions we make are just going to be based on data and there's no creativity involved. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've had an issue with just kind of like the scope of like what a developer is anymore. It's just such a, a blur nowadays. This what a oh, that's kind of a tangent sorry yeah 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 it's just like a web developer because like so i'm supposedly a front-end developer right and i mean you know 
that I can do other things as well. Like I, I can do backend stuff and learn database stuff and do that as well. So then like the, the type of work I do bleeds over, you know, what front end actually, what anybody would define as front end. But then like on top of that, you get into like, you know, into some projects and, and work where you're like actually doing QA and you're also doing, um, what is it like the, the build management and just all you start wearing multiple hats as a developer. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, development will, the velocity will slow down because all of a sudden your developers are doing more than just developing. Now they have to like push all these things through testing and like work with designers to correct their designs because they're designing for like posters and we're, you know, you need it for an app or a web and, you know, it just doesn't do that. That's very difficult or like, mm -hmm. you know, you run into all those types of things. So then you become like more of a consultant and just doing all that. And then, you know, stories bleed in and uh, work, the actual work, the actual code work isn't getting done and all of a sudden it becomes a problem. But then in those moments, nobody will like reach out and be like, oh, we'll also help developers develop. And like, you know, testers, testers don't, you know, pick up slack when developers run behind in the sprint and designers don't pick up, you know, simple styling, coding stuff to help developers that are falling behind in a sprint. But whenever developers aren't even like, you know, free to help, they're expected to do multiple other people's jobs or help other people do their jobs, but also do their, our jobs as well. So, like, it's become very weird to be like, oh, yeah, I'm just a front-end developer, but I spend most of my time in meetings and talking to people and making sure they don't fuck up their jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever... Um, hold on. Before I go down that path, is it the... It's, it's the non-development stuff that makes it weird, or is it the fact that the development stuff you do is so varied and, like, wide-ranging that makes it weird? I think it's like, uh, it feels like developers get all the responsibility, just all of it, all responsibility, all accountability. And then at the end of the day, if something doesn't launch or, you know, a sprint isn't hit or deadline or whatever, then it's immediately the developer's fault. And then the developer has to go to great lengths to prove that it isn't, but also can't point fingers because that's not professional or whatever. So you have to like, come up with this roundabout way to be like, all these processes are fucked and it landed on us because you guys expect us to do everything. Would you, would you rather not have accountability? What do you mean? Like, okay. So let me, what I was originally going to say when I said, I'm not going to go on that path is that there are, I mean, you know, it depends on the company and, and you know, whatever, but uh, there are some jobs that are, you're basically a subject matter expert, meaning like you go from team to team helping with one specific thing that you're an expert in. But you're not accountable for any of it because you're not actually in the team. You're just going to like help them with it temporarily and then you move on to the next team. So you're very focused on this one thing and you don't have to deal with QA. You don't have to deal with DevOps, whatever, um, because you're the subject matter expert about just that one thing. Is that the kind of thing you'd be interested in? I mean, possibly. So like I would, yes, in a sense, but I would even like, I mean, you know, back at when you worked at the same company, we there was talks, I mean, way before you left, that we, there was talks about like that whole thing where um, we we're going to create like some kind of like staffing thing where like if there's projects that needed help, then they would have like a bounty and then you'd be able to go like collect the bounty if you jumped on it and like, you know, put in time and help them catch up or, you know, do whatever. It We never like fleshed out the ideas fully or anything like that. But I mean, I would I would love something more like that where I wasn't stuck on any one project for years. And I could just go and like, oh, well, we need, you know, we need help on the front end. We could help somebody with, you know, this skill set. And then I could just be like, all right, and then do it until it's boring, until it gets boring, which every project does, where it's just like, all right, we have to like spend 45 minutes of sprint planning, finding something for Jace to do. Like then, then, okay, well, maybe that's a sign for me to roll off of this project and jump onto the next project that needs help because there's always a project that needs help. Mm-hmm. And so you want to be a floater. Basically. I, well, I mean, I it, I think it would be at least worth trying. I mean, because who, who knows exactly what it is. What happens if, like, you just help for an hour on, you know, 
eight different projects every day. Yeah. And that could be really, really, I, I think that could get to you too. So, I mean, it's like the extremes of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's pretty interesting. So I have a few, I have a few thoughts. One is that I, um, like two years ago when we worked together, I went to that project that was doing pretty bad and I helped them pull it together. And that got me really interested in the idea of being like a firefighter full time, just like stick me on the worst project, give me a month, let me see what I can do. And then I'll go to the next one. Um, I thought that'd be really fun. I could never make it happen, but you know, I still think that'd be a pretty cool thing to do. But I mean, with the the problem with that exact mentality, though, is that you fix the problem and then they keep you on that project and then they don't let you go because the client's just like, oh, you you helped a shit ton. Don't don't go anywhere. No, no, you don't get to go anywhere. Yeah, you'd have to set it. So so that segues into the next thing I was going to say, which is that um, at Wayfair, and I think this is a, a fairly common like industry thing, you have, they call them auxinge, auxiliary engineering. Which is like you have a, a small team of people who are just super awesome at something, you know, like super awesome at front end or super awesome at Python or like database design or something. Uh, and whenever they have a team that is starting up a new project that involves that and the team needs some help, then that person will just go embed in the team, get them off in the right direction. But there's like a very specific time frame. So like this is a two month embed maybe. I'm embedding with this team for two months. After two months, you know, I'll, I'll go back to my home base and then see what the next one is. Um, and I think that's that's pretty cool, man. I uh, I know a few people who do it and really love it. Yeah, I I feel like I feel like that kind of system or that kind of like platform would only really exist in like an internal company, like like a bigger internal company like yours. Yeah, yeah, you need like a pretty for, big product company. Yeah, and I mean, I guess you could pull it off at an agency, but. I I feel like the agency style with the the clients is is a little more complex. Like that that's that's the barrier of entry for something like that. It's just like having that special team or specialized person roll on without actually being a part of the initial contract or whatever or like somehow generalized in the contract and then you know they ha- they get to come in and have x amount of time to use up. Mhm. Would you be interested in that? I mean, yeah, I, I'm not not interested. That's the thing, right? Is is people are especially now. Um, I I have like a, a finish line in sight for the current project I'm on, but people are like, oh, what are you what are you excited to work on? What what are you interested in working on? I'm just like, what do you mean? Like, this this is this is work. Like, I I would like to work on something that's just front end for once. How about that? Like it's more generalized for me. It's just like, especially this last project wasn't just front end from the get go. So, okay, that's fine for a while, but it's not for multiple years. And then every project I end up landing on, I never like it, it always, it always bleeds out beyond front end. It, it, there, there hasn't been a single project I've been on that hasn't just been that. So like, mm-hmm. I, I, it, it's just so weird because every it's just whatever happens on the project is kind of just whatever happens until I say something or the project ends. Yeah. So I like no matter what I say into this, you know, microphone of what interests me or what I would like to do, the 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 fact of the matter is it's whatever is available at the time when I roll off this project and go on to the next one. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you're getting at. And I think that um I think that that to a certain extent, it's just kind of agency life, right? Because there's a small team doing an entire big project that needs a front end and a back end and needs caching and needs, you know, like QA and all kinds of stuff. So everybody kind of has to wear multiple hats. And if you, it, I'm realizing now, like at big product companies, there's very specific teams, you know, like there's a team that just handles the navigation and that's all they do. Right. Or a team that only builds the design system. Um, so it makes it easier to, to focus. And I think that a lot of people really prefer the agency life because a lot of people don't want to spend a lot of time in one area. Like they want to be doing completely different things day to day, you know, just like being really well-rounded and stuff. But yeah, if that's not you, then maybe that's just not your, not your jam. Yeah. I mean, who knows what is my jam at this point? Yeah. I'm the same way, man. You just got to try stuff and see what sticks. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think I mentioned it before on the podcast, but like my, my main focus of growth is, is 
not work related at all. Like, not even in the slightest. Yeah, you're I, working I'm, to live. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm good at the moment. I, I got other shit to focus on and, you know, correct and try to turn back time on fucking 35 years of abuse. How many hours a week do you work? Do I work? Yeah. Um, including meetings, which I don't count as work. <laughs> Definitely including <laughs> meetings, yes. Uh, I mean, it, it usually comes out to about 39 hours a week, I would say, on average. Okay. All right. That's much less than I thought you were going to say like 60. I remember one time you were working no. crazy hours. No. Remember, uh, I broke several years ago, and then everyone was just like, you should only be working 36 hours. I was like, okay, then I'll just work 36 hours to mm-hmm. people's detriment. But so people were like, oh, but it. this deadline. Well, I I mean, I did it to be an asshole and spiteful for a while where it's like, nope, can't finish that. Sorry, I hit I hit 36 hours. I can't, I can't possibly do an hour more. And, you know, just to prove a point. But yeah, now it's, it's I still try to shoot for 40 usually. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, okay. I was gonna I was gonna make fun of you if you were saying like work is not your main growth area, but that you are still working sixty hours a week. But then my No. My plans fell through. You ruined them. Uh if I I mean, if I was still working I mean, if I was working sixty hours a week on this current project for like any kind of extended amount of time, there, it just would have been so far so much worse, so much sooner. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean it it would have expedited everything so much. Almost by twice as much. I uh, I've thought about this. Like I I in terms of sitting down at a computer, like during working hour. Well, not even during. Like in terms, of, yeah, in terms of sitting at my desk at a computer. Um, I work less than forty hours a week, for sure. Like it's like between thirty six and forty. Never more than forty ever. Um, I can't think of a, a time in the past five years I've worked more than forty hours. Like actually at my desk. But if you count checking Slack and off hours, then it goes up a pretty good bit. And then if you start thinking about, like, what about reading work-related books, then, you know, I might like be, like, tutorials over 50. and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, just, like, you know, yeah. If I read, like, a book on leadership, then does that count as work? I don't I don't know. It depends on how you define it. I Yeah, I mean, I, I always found that stuff just a gray area. And then, I mean, I don't count it just because I, f- I figure anything that's going to bring more complication to, like, oh, what, what bucket do I put that in? Like, what time bucket do I report this in? And... Oh, where's that? And no, it's just professional development. Okay, I could add books to that. Why not? But mm-hmm. then it's just extra work for me to do to say that I'm doing things to improve myself. Like, I yeah, don't need to value. tell people that. But it, shouldn't that just be... I, I feel like something like that should just be more more of the expectation. And then anybody who's not is just slacking. Okay. Of like... Well, just like the... the and, and I don't mean like, go, go read some fucking books right now. It's like... You know, just casually have an interest in your job and, you know, either continuing in your job or, you know, pursuing whatever your glass ceiling it is, you know, and just like working, like treat your job as something that you also invest in, mm-hmm. even if casually. And that that's why I concern, like I was talking to somebody not too long ago who was saying that they, the conversation was basically about, are you, you know, I know that you're learning, I know that you're growing, but are you learning the things that you want to learn? Or are you just learning the things that you have to learn because that happens to be what you need for that task? And the response was, I don't have time to learn the things that I want to learn. And I just thought that that was so terrifying, you know? Like, if you have well, things... Yeah, go ahead. No, no, well, I was just going to say that that's kind of why I have that division going on currently of, like, my professional development, I'm I'm good with. Like, I can I can learn what I need to learn in that situation. That's fine. But the things I want to learn aren't work related they're they're more personal they're like fitness related at the moment and you know those types of things so i mean i'll share them at work and stuff but i don't want to like i don't want to muddy those waters if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah yeah i hear you I, I think if there was ever a time in my career where i felt like i want to learn x but i just do not have time then i that would be i, I would burn out really quick i think that's the one thing that keeps me going is always knowing i have time to learn the things i want to learn so I don't know. It's hard for me to really relate to that. But but what's going to happen for those people is like you realize in, you know, five years, you're five years older and you still haven't made any progress in the stuff that you actually care about. Yeah, I mean, well, it's kind of my situation, right? Like 
coming into the company and stuff and like getting my start in the industry, it was just like heads down, learn what I have to learn to keep this job, which then, I mean, worked out for me, thankfully. And like, I was able to learn and pick up stuff and even, you know, advance in certain things, um, which then freed up this, this extra space of like, oh, well then what the fuck am I doing? Like outside of work, I'm still kind of an asshole and piece of shit. Like maybe I should fix all that stuff too. So yeah. So do you feel like it was a, uh, a job you you made me you made it sound like it was a job security thing like you learned what you had to learn to keep your job and then oh absolutely once, when it first came in yeah so once you felt like you had some job security you felt like you had more time to start learning different things yeah but i mean like realizing that it's not really job security just like uh, realizing that i'm comfortable where i'm at in in my job i guess that's job security right <laughs> like um in a sense of like, I'm comfortable in my ability to learn new things in a timely manner and to produce, be productive on a brand new team if I have to, and those things within like mm-hmm. a good amount of time. Like I, that's that that's been thankfully what I, um, I'm good at. So I, I get to carry that, and and then once once I've realized that, so, and it, I mean, it took so long for people to be like, no, you're actually good at this. What are you talking about? You, you're actually good at this stuff. You should like realize that you're good at this stuff for years. When and then once you finally get there, then it's just like, oh, well then I could stop worrying and spending all this time worrying. What the fuck do I do with all that time now? And then mm-hmm. you, you just kind of have to like reconfigure what's happening or just go back to complaining that you have so much free time or that you're bored and you need to move on or you know, something. Yeah. I'm sure that's where I'm sure that's where like a lot of people get real stale at their jobs and you know start spinning in their their chairs in the middle of the day for no reason just to kill time yeah yeah and i mean it speaks to the power of positive feedback too if you're not sure if you're doing a good job then you're not going to feel like you ever have time to do less than you're already doing you know in order to learn different stuff and yeah i think that's i hadn't thought about it and that's like okay so if there's somebody who's working 50 hours a week and they're a really high performer and doing awesome work and they feel like i'm already burning you know i'm already working 50 hours a week i don't have time to learn on top of that i think the answer has to be stop doing some of the things you're doing and you know work slower to make time for the things you want to learn. that's such a hard thing to hear though like especially if so like for me coming in and, and into the agency life and like working was like the 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 treat at the end or like the, the carrot on the stick when we finally got that carrot is always, it was like the best carrot ever. Right. Like when we hit those <laughs> launches, it, yeah. well, especially when you're like an onsite launch for like, and the whole team there uh, is yeah. there like a big amount of team. And that's then pretty great. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a great feeling. So like once you feel that reward, I think, especially so early on into the career, it, it it's just like, Oh yeah. How do I feel like that again? And, and like all the things that got you there, right? Or like working overtime <laughs> was one of the things that got us there. It was, you know, you know, just going the extra mile like every day whenever you're asked, just because you're mm-hmm. doing. You don't know any better, and you don't. You're not comfortable yet in your own skill set and like what you bring to the table. But you know, you still bring something to the table. So you're just like, I'm glad to just be a part of this. Yeah, yeah. You want to chase that feeling again. Yeah, and you reminded me of a tweet I saw not long ago where it was, uh, I'm trying to remember it exactly. It was a, it started with a quote that said, work will, work will slow down soon. And then the, you know, like after the quote, it said, that was me every day for the past 15 years. Like you always think right. it's going to calm down, you know, after this launch or after that's done or whatever. And it just never, ever does. One of my favorite sayings um, is, you know, what you get for doing good work, more work. More work. <laughs> yeah so i mean like you you, you kind of have to be not really selective but i mean in, in a sense selective but realize that that that's that's the loop you're in mm-hmm. it's like you produce good work to do more work that that's what you're working for as as your company sees you right yeah there's this old expression uh if you want something done quickly then give it to a busy person which I first heard that and I was like, what the heck does that even mean? But the more I thought about it, I think it actually makes sense. You know, busy people are getting crap done all the time. You know, they're and the reason they're busy is because they're they have they're plowing through stuff. 
Uh, and I also think there's some of Parkinson's law in place too. Like if you're busy, you don't have a lot of time to do something. And so you get it done faster because, you know, you spend the time you have. It's right. And those are now. usually, yeah. Yeah, that is a weird expression. But so is the, what is it? The Bill Gates one of like, if you want, if you want something innovative or whatever, if you, I'm going to butcher it, of course, but it's like, give it to a lazy person because they'll think of a creative way to work around it oh, or I to get it done. One. Crap, I'll have to look it up. But yeah, yeah, it's a Bill Gates or Microsoft quote, or you could Google it and then fact check me. Bill Gates has got some good, some some zingers, man. Well, I don't even know what we're going to put in the call notes for this one or in the in the show notes. Yeah, me either. So but much stuff. I'm getting pinged to get back yeah. to work. <laughs> you should be working. Hey, I, uh, I should really be working. Um, let me first say that our buddy Mikey W., listens to us faithfully and said he hates how good the show is and it's one of his top five podcasts which totally made my <laughs> Amazing. day yeah like somebody we know in real life actually listens consistently i totally did not think that was the case and he hates they loves it what a perfect review well i mean well, we can't help how awesome we are I'm or checking. how horrible we are that he can't turn away from the train wreck <laughs> a little of this a little of that um we still only have one itunes review so we hate you all Everyone who keeps hearing this and not reviewing us. Yeah, but that's not anything new for me. Hating people or not getting reviewed? Hating people. Okay, so it's just more of the same. More of the same for Jace. It's very new for me and I hate the way it feels. Yeah, because that means they're not loving you and worshipping you. That's true. Yeah, or maybe maybe they're doing it silently, but now I have to worry. If you don't want me to worry, review us on iTunes. That's that stalker worship where they have like that shrine in their like bedroom. All the creepy picture collage with, like, the candles burning and stuff. You think anybody has a we-should-be-working shrine in their bedroom? No, I was just saying of you, probably. That would that would honestly make my day if we found out someone was, like, I think it would. obsessed with us. I would be like, heck yeah. <laughs> I think you would broadcast it. I would. We'd have a whole episode about it. I would interview them. Okay, I really should go. Okay, later. Bye. Bye. But seriously, I am going. Talk to you later. All right, see you, man.